We have similar traits to God. We want to be treated fairly. God wants to be treated fairly. We want to be loved. He wants to be loved. We desire our loved ones to be faithful to us. God desires for us to be faithful to Him. We would like our good deeds to be appreciated and valued. So does God. So it's not very hard to understand what God wants because we want similar things. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about being fair to God. Everyone wants to be treated fairly. Everyone wants their good actions to be appreciated and rewarded and for their love to be corresponded to. Not a single person wants evil returned to them for the good they do. We all want justice. But what about God? Are we fair with God? Do we truly consider all the good things He has done? Or are we unfair with God? Do we just give Him crumbs back when He has done so much for us? Ultimate justice will be served one day. And we should look to right the wrong. Today's message is inspired on 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor and glory be to you, O God. You are worthy to be praised and exalted. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven, O Lord God. Blessed are you, O Lord, for your love and grace and mercy, for all the wonderful and incredible things that you have done for us, Lord God. Heavenly Father, for we truly do not deserve your love and the goodness that you have bestowed upon us, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you please forgive our sins. Please forgive us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, because many times we are very ungrateful to you. Help us, O Lord, to understand that we need to understand who we are and who you are and what you have done, and that we need to learn to appreciate the things that you have done. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be able to learn how to love you and to correspond to the goodness that you have done for us. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 to 21. This is the word of the Lord. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, 
that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I believe everyone hopes and desires that others be fair with them, to be treated justly. I don't think anyone likes to be treated wrongly. In general, parents hope that their children will appreciate their sacrifices and hard work, striving day in and day out for their well-being. People in relationships want their spouses to love them, to not cheat on them, to put an equal effort into their relationship, equal commitment, and equal amount of respect. We as people would always like our effort as employees to be rewarded fairly, that those that employ us pay us fairly for our work and dedication. But also employers desire that their employees render the work that we should put forth, being responsible, taking initiative, and of course, never stealing from them time and or money. Investors desire that companies they invest in to give them the good return for their investment because they have entrusted their wealth to their corporation. People in general want law enforcement to be fair with them, to treat them well, even when they have done wrong. And in turn, law enforcement folks want the citizens they serve to appreciate them and to give them respect. Everyone desires to be treated fairly. That's the bottom line. And everyone has certain expectations based on that. Now, what about God? What do you think he desires? It should not be hard for us to understand what he wants because it's very similar to what we desire. And we have such similarities because we always need to remember that we were made in his likeness and image. As it is written, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. We have similar traits to God. We want to be treated fairly. God wants to be treated fairly. We want to be loved. He wants to be loved. We desire our loved ones to be faithful to us. God desires for us to be faithful to him. We would like our good deeds to be appreciated and valued. So does God. So it's not very hard to understand what God wants because we want similar things. So let's think about this for a moment. What many refer to as the golden rule and how to treat each other came from God and not from us, where the Lord himself said this, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But let's look at this in context where it says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those that hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. 
For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, there is a lot to see here, but ultimately, God desires that we treat each other like he has treated us. And how has he treated us? He said to love our enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those that curse you, and to pray for those that spitefully use you. Now, why would he want for us to do that? Because that is what he has done with us. We have all sinned and have done so willfully. And because of that, we are all, and most of the world still is, God's enemy. Why? Because when a person has not yet come to Christ, when they have not yet repented and turned away from their sins, they are still under the devil's dark power and dominion. The Bible tells us this in Romans chapter 8, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The word of God says that the carnal mind is enmity against God. And so by definition, if a person is still being run by their flesh, by their own selfish and evil desires, and not spiritually minded, they are in enmity with God, or more directly, they are still enemies of God. I know that this is probably offending some, but it's the truth. When we subject our bodies to the desires and wishes of sin, we are in enmity with God. And through that, a person is allied or aligned with the devil because that is God's one true enemy. You see, because of our sin, we were all God's enemies. And this happened since our beginning, whether we want to accept it or not. For it is written, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. And so we are not born children of God like many people choose to believe. The only way that you become a child of God is when you receive Christ and not by natural birth. For it says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So why am I saying all of this? Because it is necessary for us to understand our reality, where we once were and many still are before God so that we can understand what ultimately God did for us. Even though we were his enemies, God the Father sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross so that we could have the opportunity to stop being his enemies and to be drawn closer to him. From being completely foreign to everything that is God and belongs to God, to having the opportunity to be in part of him and belonging to him. For it is written, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so God chose out of his own free will to love us rather than to judge and condemn us by giving us an undeserved, unmerited, and graceful opportunity through the Lord Jesus Christ. Our reality, each and every one of us, was that we were lost without hope. Because of our sin, whether great or small, a lot or a little, we deserved our destiny, which was hell. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's love is a gift. You don't earn a gift. You can never be good enough to be given a gift. A gift is given based not on merits, only on the good graces of the person 
that gives the gift. There is no obligation for anyone to give a gift because then it would not be a gift by definition. God's love and mercy is completely undeserved. Having said that, this should all start giving a different perspective, a different and better understanding of just how much we owe God about how good he has been with us despite the things that many people try to complain about God. We owe God everything. We wouldn't exist if it were not for God because he created man. Mankind did not create themselves. This supposed accident where we all came from is not true. It's an insult created by the devil. It's amazing that many people would much rather accept to believe that the universe and everything in it was some sort of cosmic accident than created by almighty being by God himself. But fear not. Blessed be God Almighty that man's feeble opinions do not govern reality, nor have any impact on our eternal future. What else do we owe God? The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 1, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And so our very daily existence depends on the person of Jesus Christ. That's the him and the he that is mentioned in this passage. Think about all the things that happen in the universe that we have absolutely no control over and that we take so much for granted. Is it the great scientists of the world, the past and present ones that keep all of the galaxies, the stars, the planets, and all of the like where they are? Did they invent and maintain gravity? Is it mankind that maintains its atmosphere on this planet for there to be enough oxygen for us to breathe? Don't we just destroy even those things we have no control over rather? Who allows us to see the light of day each day? How about at our very individual and personal level? Who keeps our lungs breathing and our heart beating? Who allows for your brain to function to do both the involuntary and voluntary? Just looking at these very few things that are way out of our control, can you even start to imagine so many other things that we don't even pay attention to that happen all on the Lord's say-so because his person and presence allows for all these things to be because in him all things consist? We owe God everything, literally, and he does and allows for all these things to happen out of his own free will, out of grace, I tell you that if God chose at a single instant to end it all, he would be able to, and there would be nothing we could do about it. And bear in mind that there is an eminent end that is coming, that he has established, and everything will happen just as he said it would in his word, like the things that are even being fulfilled at this very moment. Consider for a moment if anyone, no matter how rich and powerful they were, if they were able to keep themselves from dying, were they able to figure out how how not to die? Were they able to figure out the mathematical equation that would allow them to live forever? Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world, but yet could not do anything about his own death at the young age of 32. What about the ancient pharaohs and the Caesars that ruled before? Let's bring things closer to our time. For example, was Steve Jobs able to cure his cancer and keep himself from dying at 56? No matter how famous or intelligent or powerful, no human being has been able to elude their own death. What's the point that I'm trying to drive here? Many people think that God is not important 
that he probably doesn't even exist and think that their opinions and say so govern reality somehow. People's opinions do not govern a reality. God is God and whether they want to believe it or not. And we owe absolutely everything to him, whether we want to admit it or not. We are all like nothing before him. We're not even a speck in this world as compared to all the things that we know of and the things we can't even imagine yet. So where does people's arrogance come from? What do they base it on? Who are they to say that God is not God and try to take away all the things that belong to him and that he has done and still does? When we start to come to the realization of just who God is and how much we owe the Lord, a great sense of humility and gratefulness should start to take over everything within us. And our priorities should start to shift immensely as in completely shift. When the Apostle Paul, for instance, was just given a glimpse, a moment before the presence of the Lord in glory, he had no other option but to fall to the ground and say, what would you have me do, Lord? There was no discussion, no questioning, certainly no arguing. All of the nonsense stopped instantaneously at just a mere appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what about the prophet Daniel when he was shown just a few things standing before the angel of the Lord? And he says that he fell to the ground as if he were dead with his face to the earth because he was not able to sustain himself. So who are we? What are we? So what is this point that I'm trying to drive in all of this? to bring in awareness, to stimulate some sort of true reasonable thinking so that we can start to process who God is, what we are before him, and just how much we owe him. This life is meant for one thing, to give us the opportunity to know who God is and so we can choose to be with him, so we could have access to what he has prepared for those that love him in eternity. We have been given free will as people and so we are responsible for our choices. In all of this, the Word of God teaches us righteousness and that it is the only way to salvation. It's all about learning who God is and about learning to be fair with Him. This is true righteousness. This is the way to salvation, to eternal life, eternal reward, and eternal purpose. There is no other way. So if we truly want these things, we should use our free will to learn to be fair with God. The Bible says this, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. This is the way we learn to be fair with God. Now why should we learn to love Him with everything we are? Like we explained earlier, we owe everything to Him, the universe and everything in it, our existence, and now through Jesus Christ his unmerited favor and grace as he grants us the graceful opportunity to be with him forever, to be a part of his purpose for all eternity. No one has done this for us. No one has loved us like God has loved us. We owe no one anything like these things. Even if we were given the whole world right now, that is insignificant as compared to what God has granted because this world and everything in it is passing. What does this scripture say? For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? But we cannot come to even start loving the Lord until there is a certain reality dealt with first. 
There must be repentance and conversion from all sin, and there must be a decision to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. Why? Because we need to go away from the fallen position we are in. Man needs to leave the dominion of the devil, to turn away from the dark path, to go from belonging to the devil to belonging to the Lord. That certain reality must be dealt with first. That is the only way a person can come to be born again, to start over, to have a new beginning without an end. That is where eternity starts. Without that first step, it is impossible to learn to be fair with God. If anyone wants to inherit eternal life, eternal reward, and be a part of God's eternal purpose, they must be fair with God. As we saw in the beginning, everyone wants to be treated fairly, especially if they have done some good to another person, if they have shown some affection for another. There is an expectation of appreciation and reciprocity. The God of the universe also desires that we be fair with Him, that we at least begin to appreciate everything He has done for us and to learn to love Him for those things. We owe Him everything. And this should not be very difficult to understand. It's so easy that the Lord said that we need to make ourselves like children so that we're able to enter his kingdom. For he said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And so, coming to acknowledge the Lord and appreciating everything he has done, is not a hard or difficult task. It's quite simple and easy. So what is the problem? Disbelief for one. And it's not a question of not being able to believe. It's a question of not wanting to believe. So it's disbelief with pride and rebellion. We are more than capable of understanding and believing, but most choose not to do so. And of course, there are those that choose to be ungrateful they don't consider what God has done for them even though they might understand because their priorities are somewhere else and certainly very far away from the Lord. This is all choice and this is why there is a judgment because universal justice will be served one day and not very far away from now. There will be a judgment, a final judgment where every single person will give an account for their actions ultimately for how they chose to correspond to God and to what he has done for them. And we will all be judged according to God's truth and not according to what we choose to believe. Reality is reality. God is God and he cannot be dismissed or disregarded without some kind of consequence. After all, what could we expect to have happen if we were given such a glorious opportunity that we do not deserve through the Lord Jesus Christ and rather than seizing it, People choose to cast it away, to ignore it, to not consider what he has done for them. Everything has consequences, especially what we choose to do with God's love and grace. So for your own sake, I would urge you to consider what God has done for you and to learn how to be fair with him. Remember, God doesn't have a problem. We are the ones with the eternal problem, with our sin problem. And the only remedy is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look for the Lord and start to be fair with him today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, I give you thanks and I praise you for your goodness and mercy and grace. 
Lord, you have been so good to us in every kind of way. It's just hard for us to understand it, Lord God, because we're so limited. And the truth is, we're sinful people. Heavenly Father, please have mercy on us. Please forgive us for our sins. Open our hearts, open our understanding, Lord God, so that we can look to be fair to you, to love you, to appreciate all the incredible things that you have done. Heavenly Father, help us to understand who we are and what we are before you so that we can, in fact, come to appreciate who you are and what you have done for us. We are less than nothing, Lord God. Who are we that you would even think about us, O Lord? But you chose to love us, O Lord, out of your own free will. And you chose to give us the opportunity of salvation through Jesus Christ. Thank you, O Lord, for everything that you have done. Help us, O Lord, to understand and to learn to be faithful to you and to love you as you deserve to be loved. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.